0: I am sure you will this morning feel like, oh, this is making me a little miserable. And it does for a few days. And then you begin to get traction and go, oh, Lord, do that in my life. Do that. Do that amongst my friends. Do that in my family. And that's the case this morning of Philippians chapter 4, which we will be going to in a minute. But let's open up in prayer as we consider these matters. We're going to pray, too, for our sister in the Lord Nancy Grossman lost her sister yesterday, last night, and we want to pray for her this morning and the entire family. And so much grief, right, at Grand Rapids Heap Free and other churches as well as what's happened. And, uh, oh, so let's lift her up as well as we pray. Our Father, we know that we are to grieve with those who grieve, and we come alongside Nancy today and her family. The loss of a sister, the pain... The ache that's left, Lord, thank you for Nancy and her faithfulness to her sister, being there again and again. Lord, strengthen the walk as we cling to you, and your right hand upholds us. And many at Grand Rapids Free have experienced loss in 2021 and 2022, and we lift each one up. That in our grief. You are no stranger to it. You also experienced grief. And so by your wounds, we too are healed. And Lord, today we pray too as we come in your name, we are familiar with the passage where the Lord himself said, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he has fully been trained will be like his teacher. Our desire, Lord, is to be like you, the great teacher and the shaping of the Holy Spirit. You are our Lord and Master. We've been singing about it. You are our King. We are struck again, again, with the pursuit. We are called to a manner of life that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. So this morning as we open up your word to a text that is gloriously freeing, but at the same time, challenging. May we be attuned to your work in our lives and your great ambition and your work is to conform us to the image of your son. What a glorious thing to be a part of. Would you guide us now in Jesus name? Amen. So last week we heard from an amazing missionary couple, Cherie and Thomas Howard, what a joy! Just want you to know, I received a text this week. What a wonderful family Grand Rapids, Eve Free is. We felt loved and welcome. Amen. That's what they should feel, right? And I saw many of you connecting with them out there, and they were elated to be here. And what a joy that we can partner with them. And we're going to learn about that about the Philippian church, in our title this morning is Lessons and Generosity. When I first started the passage, I thought, well, that's not a good title. What should be a good title? But I came with a little help from a friend, my wife, Lessons in Generosity. Two weeks ago, we looked at contentment. And we know we live in a world that is very discontent. Maybe you're discontent this morning. I wish things were different. I wish I didn't have this problem, which... But eventually, the Lord, by his strength, brings us to contentment. And we ended two weeks ago with this verse, chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That is the Apostle Paul talking about his life in prison, in shackles, and on and on, hungry In different places in scripture, he asked for his books. He asked for his manuscripts. He asked for on and on. So he's in deep want. But he also had time talks in that passage that we looked at two weeks ago about he had plenty. And we're going to look at that this morning because that is really humbling. He's in prison and he's suffering. He says, I have plenty. And then he goes on to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, saying If God would give me an abundance, I wouldn't get intoxicated with it. And he gives me little or nothing, I will not murmur or complain or vex. I know that's convicting. I like to complain. It might be a spiritual gift among some of us. And we need to watch out for that. But Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, again and again, gives these ethical lessons within his letters. And we have one this morning. I want to start with this. It's kind of an overview of what we want to see in our lives. And it goes something like this. It's an old adage. You might have heard it as a kid. I haven't heard it much lately. There was a man they said was mad. Anybody know how to finish it? The more he gave away, the more he had. Let me say it again. There was a man they said he was mad. The more he gave away, the more he had. But well, we're going to look at that this morning because that's really the adage of the Apostle Paul. But the goal of the Holy Spirit this morning is that we would never be the same. Never be the same if we've been here this morning and learned something at least has had the pass through me and we'll get to you. But the Holy Spirit would have us chiefly to be conformed to this spirit that we call generosity. Before we get there, a couple contextual things. We'll get to the memory verse in a minute. Paul's in prison. He has a needs. He's actually conveyed these needs, he's voiced these needs, he's passed them along through a helper named Epaphroditus. Now, if you want to do a word study on Epaphroditus, he is seen again and again throughout Paul's letters. He's a faithful guy, but he's not a big name. Well, it's a long name, (laughs) Paphroditus. But he's a messenger. And how far has this character gone? About 800 miles, one way. Sometimes this could take over a month. After about a week, I'd get sick of it. You would too. You go, really? And if he went the long way, it might have been two months. To get from Rome to Philippi. But Paul's in prison. Now, if you know about prisons in the U.S. of A., they're not that bad. They feed them. They keep them warm. They give them a gym. They have a weightlifting area. They have a TV area. Most of you are smiling because most of you have been in jail, probably. (laughs) Carpet in the library. And what books are in the library? law books, all subtitled, How to Get Out in 30 Days. (laughs) But that's not the way Paul was in prison. In ancient times, they were desolate. No one could even visit him. Paul had the exception, but they didn't feed him. They had to come up with someone to care for him. So Paul's needs, there might have been disease. We don't know for sure. We know he had some kind of health issue going on. But Paul's situation is desperate. He could go hungry. He increasingly could be exposed to disease. And one place, particularly in Timothy, he says, I need my cloak because I can hardly stand it anymore. So Paul is going to commend this church for their generosity. Here's our memory verse. Speaking about the gifts they were sending, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Verse 19, and my God, notice that, the God Paul knew as opposed to some of Others knew my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Mark those three words in Christ Jesus. So we look at three points this morning this morning about generosity, the partnership in which this generosity took place, the perspective that Paul had a generosity, and then the promise of generosity. And so verse. Chapter chapter 4, verse 14, he starts with the word yet. We can tell Paul's making a break. Remember last time we talked about the parenthetical effect of 10 through 13, where he stopped and talked about contentment. Now he's returning back to their partnership. And this is talked about actually in chapter 1 as well. And he says yet, he's changing or going back to the partnership. And he says this, It was good of you to share my troubles. (coughs) You know what that is? That's an informed congregation. They were told that there was a need. And I just want to say, I want to be balanced. Grand Rapids free. I've known, been here for 18 months now, that when a need comes up, I do not know of one need that was not met. And a need came up this past week. You know, but never often, maybe some of you contributed this morning. It went out this week to help somebody in a desperate situation. Amen, to God be the glory. Paul is saying, you heard of my troubles. We heard this week of a situation. It was a troubling situation. What did Grand Rapids, E free elders do? They met it. Amen, thank you. He says, you've now shared, or you've come to me in a partnership, and they heard of his needs. Now, here's a lesson. Paul let somebody know. He told somebody, I have these needs, or someone actually noticed he had these needs. But here's a lesson. When you're in need, let us know. Number of years ago, a gal, she went into the hospital for three days. She got out. I saw her the next day, and she said, I was in the hospital for three days, and nobody even called me. And I said, well, did you tell anybody? No. I said, well, that might be a first step. (laughs) But they had a large impact. Look at this. More of us, you Philippians know, in the early days of what? Early days of your acquaintance with the gospel. In the early days of them receiving the gospel. You know, Paul was a good teacher. From day one, when they got converted, Paul or someone said, You know what you need to be concerned about? The spread of the gospel. They were, here's the word, missional. They start giving from the get go. Dear friends, you have children? When they start to understand the gospel, part of the gospel is generosity. Paul schooled them well. And he says, To further what? The gospel. There are so many things you can give to, right? Be careful. Give to the furthering of the God. Church planting across the nation, we'll look at that in a bit, but church planting across the world, it's one of the most effectual tools for bringing people to salvation. Something else about that your acquaintance with the gospel. They weren't rich. We know they were poor. Instead of saying, well, the church in Thessalonica, they're pretty wealthy. Let's just give it over to them. No, they said a thousand times no. We have an account that these people begged to give. How does that affect us? Maybe in our small groups, our families. I just want to put a trumpet call to church planting across the world and unreached People groups. According to the Joshua Project, there are 7,000 unreached people groups. That's 40% of all the people groups in the world. Now, some of them are the same language, but of those who aren't, there are 4,513 unreached people groups in the world. They've never heard the gospel, or they have less than five witnesses. A number of years ago, such a sweet story. There's a church out east. An individual from New Tribes Mission came, and they were raising support. We do this to missionaries. I don't know. We make them go to 40 different churches to raise support. Maybe a good thing is we give to one missionary or two and support them in a large way, but there was a church out east. This guy shows up for New Tribes Mission with his wife, and he says, we're raising support to go to And there's a women's group in the church building. And this couple gets done sharing. I heard this from a friend. The women's leader comes up and got tears. He said, why are you crying? She said, we've been praying five years for that tribe. What if your small group took an unreached people and began to pray? Or two. There's 1,600 churches in the EFCA. What if they took a few? And began to pray that God would send someone. But then he says this. When I sent out from Macedonia. Why does he mention Macedonia? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Well, this is another lesson in giving. We hear this word about Macedonia from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You remember the Corinthians? They were a bunch of hoodlums, weren't they? They were giving Paul trouble. In fact, they challenged him and said, your ministry is not legit. So he had to defend himself. So then he said, well, I'm not going to ask these clowns to support me. So he asked other churches to support him. And who supported them? Let me read it. Paul said this to the Corinthians, remember? I robbed other churches. And accepted support from them in order to serve you. Guess which other church that he robbed? He didn't really rob him. Who supported him when he's in Corinth? You got it. You don't need to tell you. The church at Philippi. That relationship was amazing. But I'm not done. He said, Not one church shared with you in the matter of giving except you kind of relationship was this? It certainly wasn't what we've called reciprocal. Paul had nothing to give back to them. He defines it as giving and receiving. <laughs> he doesn't say I'm giving back. Do you have any relationship like that where you give nothing? Hope not. But what about we get nothing? Well, I, I was thinking this week about this going, what if somebody came to my door every day and they're poor and they're, they can't afford, and they say, could I have... Some knowing they can't, I'm not, they're probably not going to invite me to their place because they don't have a place. And I would just say, You bet, you bet for sure. That's what's going on here. Paul says, There's nothing I can give back to you. Of course, he can visit them. Well, he can't even do that because he's in prison. Jesus talked about these kind of relationships. I'm just challenged by this. It's from the Phillips New Testament. From Matthew chapter 5. Jesus talking about relationships. He says, if you love only those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even the tax collectors and the pagans do that. We drive by businesses and they can have, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. And Jesus goes on to say, if you exchange greetings only with your own circle of friends, this is J.B. Phillips, Are you doing anything exceptional that we know the answer? Not really. Even the pagans do that. No, you rather be like your heavenly father who is perfect. And then verse 16 is something there too. For even when I was in Thessalonica, if anyone should have supported Paul, it was a church in Thessalonica. They were wealthy. They had more than others. But what about this Philippian church? Their generosity. I learned this week from Banco. If you know what that is, that's one of those organizations that help you process tithes and offerings, so on with the church. Number five reason that churches die is people stop giving. I don't think the Philippians would have said, ain't gonna happen here. So that's the kind of partnership it was. And it wasn't just... Effectual, it was long term. He says, from the beginning, and then he goes in verse 16 more than once when I was in need. Are you challenged by that? And we're going to get to what that means. That was that partnership. What kind of perspectives are there in this partnership that Paul has for them that I think are absolutely non American? I'm in trouble. Not that I desire your gift. Here's the perspective. He's grateful. But then he says about this partnership, I don't desire your gifts. My birthday's coming up. It is, really. I'll take the gifts. Now, I want you to know what's going on here. Be careful that you don't hear me saying don't be rich. We know that God gives people riches. We know that the gospel goes forth with dollars and pennies I would say. That's why your children can be involved. So be careful that you don't hear me saying that. Cuz Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter 6. As for those who are rich in this present age, charge them don't be haughty and proud nor set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but set their hope on God, who richly provides. Isn't that amazing? He provides. They are, rather, Paul says this, they are to do good. Be rich in good works. Here it is. And be, you know the word, generous and ready to share. But Paul has something else in mind. I don't don't sit around thinking, where are my gifts? He says, but I do pray for you that more will be credited to your account. Now, if I took a poll, I might ask, do you have an IRA? You would say, we sure do. We have 10 of them. No, not really. I have one. Do you have an IRA? But this is not an IRA. This is an IHA, an individual heavenly account. Paul says, I I want for you to give So that something is accrued for you in heaven, your individual heavenly account. Now, I can't get too much detail in it, but Paul is passionate. This is not just a suggestion. By the way, I desire that. No, he is passionate about this that they would give so that they can get. And we're going to get about that in a minute. I know that one can be misunderstood. But that more will be credited to your account. The word credited is just an amazing word in the Greek. It's from actually from the economic system of that time. It meant compound. He's saying, I desire that in your giving your gifts, more will accrue or compound. To your heavenly account, what's he saying? Don't be a tightwad. It's just not in the Greek. I grew up in an area where we had this little adage. you might think it's really goofy, but we would say, that guy's so tight, he still has his confirmation money. Or his infant baptism money. That's tight. Paul is saying, "Give freely. Give freely. But generous, it's an interesting word. In the Greek, it's this. It means gift, which is the word doros. And then gene, which is, we get our word gene. So he's saying generosity in your genes. (laughs) It's part of your nature. That's what he's getting at here. And when we begin to see this, we'll see that it does become a part of our nature. It becomes a part of who we are. And then he says in verse 18b, I'm amply supplied. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Amply supplied. Here's what it says in the J.B. Phillips. Sorry, I was quoting that one. Here's what it says in that verse in J.B. Phillips version. Now I have everything I want. That's what it says in the paraphrase. Now get this. I'm rich. Paul's saying, in fact, I'm rich. Okay, let me see what he has. Food, clothing, a few books, a couple friends. You can take that home. Remember my teenager saying more than once, there's nothing in the refrigerator. Really? Think about it. Food, clothing, shelter, We're rich. We need to tell our kids. We need to tell our children, our grandchildren. You have those? Paul's saying, you're rich. We know in the world there are people who are making a dollar to two dollars a day for their family. I would just suggest to you that we do a paradigm shift. The American dream has some nightmares that go with it. One of them is that we think we need more and more and more. This is staggering. But he's saying more. Your gifts, a fragrant offering. Isn't that interesting? He was talking about economics. Now he's talking about our worship. Do you know that our giving is worship? Amen. Somebody can say amen. It is. Here it is. A fragrant offering. Acceptable sacrifice. Here it is. Pleasing to God. Did you ever know that you can give pleasure to God? you got to be kidding me. Well, Paul uses it a number of times. I make it my ambition in life to be pleasing to God. Whew. It's an immense change of heart. What's really a challenge, I think, what is truly a challenge is, is that we have so many things that entice us because we can see them. And Jesus says in Matthew 16, Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up rather for yourselves. Treasure in heaven. So often, the letters of Paul explain the teachings of Jesus. There it is. Paul is saying, your gifts are a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. A complete reversal in our thinking. We think this is real. And Jesus said, it's passing away. What's real is there. And this is, I'll tell you, that's the challenge this week for me. But there's something else in this text we need to look at. This wasn't just generous giving. There's the word sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving, generosity are a little bit different. I think Grand Rapids sea Free is very generous. But few of us know what it is to give sacrificially. Sacrificial giving surpasses generosity. And it's where a person gives some of what they had to live on. that they would normally keep for themselves you say how did you think of that i didn't it's kind of a miserable thought matthew 21 you remember the story very familiar it's been used in secular life and used in churches it's a story of the what the widow right jesus looked up in the temple he saw a rich or the rich putting their gifts into the offering and then he saw a poor widow two small coins We might call them pennies. I'll tell you how cheap I am. I still pick them up when I see them in the parking lot. Two copper coins. She drops them and you could hear the noise. It goes into the bottom. Jesus is watching. Here's what he says. That poor widow, she's put in more than all the rich. Than all of them. Jesus can't count? No. Because he goes and tells us what? For, that three-letter word. For, they contributed out of their abundance. But her, out of her very living. A number of years ago, a friend of mine, he was a surgeon. We were in seminary. Very generous guy. He sent us $500. A big deal back in the 80s. $500. That's generous. But that wasn't sacrificial. He was a surgeon. I knew what he made. He told me. And I didn't call him up and say, hey, your gift wasn't really sacrificial. (laughs) But it's different to give out of our riches as opposed to according to our riches. This woman gave according to her riches, right? But then there's the promise. And some of us won't believe it, I think. I've struggled with it. The promise or the prospect. You're going to say, if I'm going to do this, what are the prospects for me and my family? Well, they're pretty pretty, uh, pretty, lavish, really. And notice that conjunction. It's putting side by side that those gifts that are fragrant, pleasing, and acceptable, At the same time, or alongside of them, or with them, is this promise. I'm going to let it speak. I've been around enough Christians to go, that doesn't mean God will give us money. I don't know, but I know it'll give you spiritual riches. He says that my God, and look at his word, my God, that's the God Paul had experienced. He will meet all your needs. Is that a departure from the American dream? We give to God and he gives back as he sees fit. And he says he'll meet all your needs. God is no man's, no woman's, no child's debtor. I know, you might think I'm a telling evangelist right now, but I'm not. There it is. According to the riches of of his, there's the word according. This has been corrupted by some teachers. I'm just going to say it. It's a Christian doctrine. Think about the benefits to generosity. First of all, it weans us from all the things we want. <laughs> Number two, we, when we experience generosity, it changes us. We begin to look and then we see people helped. And he says, my God, I don't know if he'll give back to you or us, we, financially. Maybe it's a spiritual awakening. Maybe there's something else. Maybe you've been been snared by the love of riches, which we all can be at different times. Maybe you are now released because many said the only antidote to greed is generosity. But this sacrificial giving is so challenging. There's something else I can take home with you. Paul in verse 20 says to God. Who are you going to give glory to in the giving and receiving? God. Paul wants to make sure they don't misunderstand. All the things that we've received, we're stewards. They actually belong to God. But there's something else. When we give, we're not giving to me or to the elders. We're giving to God. And when your children get together, and they talk about giving, saying, you're giving to God. You're furthering the gospel. Boy, am I long-winded this morning. Here we go. Some quick incentive to generosity. Rejoicing and thanks be to God by giver and receiver. The gospel is advancing. There's no doubt about it. It costs thousands to send, that's it. just EFCA missionaries, 550 missionaries. It costs thousands. Japan is one of the most Difficult fields and most expensive field. and in some cases, they need $40,000 to be there. Verse 10 and 20, same chapter. God gets the glory. Verse 10 and 14, the recipients, the fruit, increases our heavenly account, weans us from earthly mindedness. It's a fragrant offering to God, it's pleasing to God. And then verse 19, that glorious promise, God will take care of us. I'm so crazy about this. I think you can give everything away, but your food—I mean, excuse me—your clothing. Well, you know what I mean. And God would take care of you. All your market needs. Number one reason people don't give—you know it. We can't afford to. I'd like to reason with you for a minute. You can't afford not to give. You can afford not not to give. I suppose that was double negative. You can't afford to just say this is nothing. You must. We must. We have the privilege to push forth gospel ministry. Okay, applications. Number one, I don't know why I put this. Be like the Philippians. Not so fast. Because we learned something about the Philippians. When they gave in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul mentions them. And here's what he said. You exceeded our expectations and you gave first yourselves to the Lord. So this isn't something we... Muscle up within ourselves. It's an act of the heart, not of the head. And that's why we have 2 Corinthians 9 7, cheerful givers. Number two, what shall I do? Maybe it's the first time you hear on Sunday morning, you say, I knew it. They would talk about giving when I showed up. That was not the intent. It's in the text, I assure you. It came right in linear as it ought to. Truth be told, churches don't talk about evangelical churches, not televangelists. They talk about it, about it every Sunday or they're on TV. We're not a bunch of beggars. We're just giving this to you today. There are incentives to give. And I'm not at stake. The church is at stake. God says, this is thus saith the Lord. Lastly, beholding the glory of the Lord, we are being changed. He changes us. Maybe you'll leave today going, I have a new perspective. I don't have to be fearful of having a converted wallet. God will take care of me. God will take care of us. In fact, the riches are according to his glory. I'm going to have the worship team come and we're going to behold the glory of the Lord in the Lord's Supper today. And so, as they're coming, would you bow your heads with me? Father, who is like you? I remember the songs we sang at the beginning. There's an old adage. There's plenty of room at the top. It is a lie. You alone stand supreme. And Father, the gods of the people are idols. And the peoples give their monies to their idols. But we give to you the living God with promises that are from another world and they're out of this world and they seem so difficult but yet this morning we are learning that it is glorious to give. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us and there are many at Grand Rapids Free are generous times five. Thank you for them. And then there might be some here who have never even taken the step of tithing. And according to Malachi, that's robbing God. And it is keeping the gospel from going forth maybe in a way that it wouldn't otherwise. May they would step out in faith and start giving a tenth. Or maybe they start at a fifth and jump to a tenth. But they would begin to support the work of gospel ministry where the good news that Jesus came to save sinners is proclaimed because how will they believe unless they hear and how will they hear unless someone is sent so Lord awaken all of us to the joy of giving and generosity in Jesus name amen